G'day, I'm Morgan Evans, and welcome to Selkirk On Serve, a pickleball podcast presented by Selkirk Sport. With interviews and insights, news and announcements, we're here to take the pulse of pickleball. My guest today is Mr. George Bayonfeind. He's had a storied career working in the Olympics and Paralympic Games for BP Team USA, as well as a host of other countries. He's an avid pickleball player, just like you are. But recently he stepped into a new role, perhaps the role he was born to play, the Managing Director for Marketing Communications for the USAPA. Please welcome Mr. George Bayonfeind. Hi, Morgan. Appreciate you having me on the podcast today. George, pleasure to have you, mate. Looking forward to uh, getting in depth with your new role as the Managing Director of Marketing Communications of the USAPA. Uh, firstly, I want to know, how did you get involved? Because the word around the campfire is, you know, you're not just a suit, you're, you're a pickleball player as well. How long have you been playing? Uh, I think I'm coming up on seven years. And uh, my short story is my my parents live in Bonita Springs, which is kind of the Fort Myers, Naples, Naples area. And uh, both my mother and wife were good tennis players. So when we were visiting and dad and I'd go out, we try to be competitive, but uh, really lucky to get two games in, in the set. So uh, one of the visits we had, uh, pickleball is really starting to take off. And, uh, and so we went out there with my parents and my wife and suggested we all play. Um, and it was not only a lot of fun, but uh, easy to learn. And from there, uh, we just kind of, I live in Chicago. Uh, we've you know had an opportunity to play but during the summer outside, and then obviously the winter hits early up here. Uh, and so now we are uh, in the courts and playing uh, every Sunday afternoon. Fantastic. It's such a good family uh, experience, isn't it? It is. And it, it allows, I, I think the other key part of it is is uh, dad and I were both competitive. <laughs> we, <laughs> we could actually play with these two good tennis players. <laughs> it sounds like a, a story that millions of other players around the uh, the country are telling as well um it's such a such an easy accessible sport it was that one of the main reasons why you you know you jumped at the opportunity to uh, to come on with the usapa yeah absolutely well and i was uh you know i had been with uh bp and castrol for 15 years um had run the last six of that i was the, the head of olympics and paralympics for them uh, so I absolutely love sport and what you can do around that in terms of marketing and sponsorship. Uh, and then I've also had an opportunity and still part of the USA Triathlon Marketing Committee. So when I saw this opportunity for pickleball and knowing that I had played it and it's somewhat a, an addicting sport, mm. I thought, wow, that's uh, that's an opportunity I have to go after. Yeah, I think everybody will admit to you know, knowing the sport really sells itself. As long as you can put a paddle in someone's hand, you know, that's half the work's already done. So I imagine as the uh, the marketing director, um, your job is not going to be too difficult. Just get a bunch of paddles out there. Hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like the strategy. Actually, I'm going to add that to my uh, 2020 yeah. <laughs> planning. So give me some paddles. <laughs> Indeed. So now you mentioned your role in the Olympics and Paralympics. Um, yeah. I would say that makes you more qualified than anyone I've had on uh, on the show so far to answer the um, 
ever-growing question of, you know, what is it going to take to get pickleball in the Olympics? Well, I, I think we have, uh, it, it's part of our long-term vision. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of contacts inside of the U.S. Uh, Olympic and Paralympic Committee, uh, obviously with LA 28, and we've got the games coming up in, in approximately eight years. Um, but, but what is really exciting, I know we can talk about the growth in the U.S., but it's also growing internationally. And we have, I think we're up to 18 countries who are part of the International Federation of Pickleball. Fantastic. So that is a, it's a fantastic result. Um, to be recognized by the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, you need uh, 70 countries participating. 70? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, 7-0. Uh, and on the Paralympic side, it is, I believe, 12 countries. Um, so we, we definitely are on the right path. And um, I think is once you, you know, to, to your point, you know, once you put a paddle in, in individuals' hands and they can experience this, I, I, I really do think this has uh, an incredible uh, opportunity and, and runway to get to the Olympics ultimately. Nice. I uh, actually visited the, the uh, headquarters of IOC in uh, Lausanne, I believe it was, um, yes. thereabouts in Switzerland. I wanted to just kind of knock on the door and hopefully get a meeting with someone to talk about the individual uh, synchronized swimming event. Um, but yeah, alas, no one answered, so that was fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, now moving on just slightly. It, it, the media and, and the role it's going to play in attracting children into the game, I think that's going to be a, obviously a huge part in the growth of the sport. Um, and I know it's something that you're also charged with um, in, in your role with the USAPA. Um, what are your thoughts in, in, in terms of how we're going to get more kids involved in the game um, and hopefully grow it at a school and collegiate level. Yeah. Um, so there is going to be uh, 2020, we're going to have a, a lot of, uh, not only just basic marketing programs and engagements for, for full on memberships. Uh, but we have some programs really targeted at, uh, juniors. And then also, uh, I can speak to a call I had just before this podcast, um, uh, with a collegiate opportunity. Uh, but with juniors, and we've started to roll this out. We have um, a program called a youth program provider. And really, if you, if you think about it, um, you have an opportunity to put paddles and balls into uh, schools, you know, whether it's middle school, it could be even elementary, but middle school and high school. Um, and so we have partnered with Pickleball Central uh, as that source to provide a package, kind of a starter pack. I, I believe it has 24 paddles and equivalent number of balls in it. Um, right. And for high school, you know, high school or, you know, basically gym teachers uh, to provide that game. Now, what's interesting, I'll take you back a little bit. My, my kids are young adults. Um, and after I took this pickleball job, or even when I was interviewing for it, uh, both of my kids said, oh, we played that in high school. And I said, well, how come I didn't know about that? <laughs> you know? Um, but, but here in, in um, outside of Chicago, as I said, um, in some of these schools, I mean, they had uh, 4,000 kids in their high school. Uh, and so looking for a nice opportunity. And great thing about pickleball is the size of the court, the same as badminton. Um, you can play it indoor and outdoor. And, uh, you know, you have a real nice opportunity to engage people. But then we need that follow through. 
And so one of the calls I had this morning uh, was really um, around, uh, it was actually a media publication that talked about and directed specifically at campus recreational programs. You know, and you read about these articles of, of the growth of that. When I went to university, um, I actually, one of my first classes was a racquetball class. Um, and it was a great way, you know, I played a couple of times, but it was a great way to really kind of hone my skills and, and get me excited for, you know, at that point, which was a, a little bit of a, a career. So overall, we're going to have a couple of programs that are going to be rolled out. Um, you know, obviously we're going to match that with some marketing, uh, to engage the right target audiences. Uh, and as I call it, we'll share the love of what pickleball is about and, and how easy it is to implement those programs. That sounds great. So you feel like a uh, an interschool kind of tournament or challenge is uh, is fast approaching? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The potential for that. If you look at at the university level, I mean, think about other sports. Um, could be rugby. Could be lacrosse. Uh, I mean, many of these are they have started as club sports, uh, and as the participation has grown uh, and the engagement in more schools, then all of a sudden you're you know you're creating the tournament structure. You're creating the inter-school rivalries, uh, and even some of those club sports have turned into scholarship uh, uh, sports. So essentially, if we can tap into the competitive nature of, of children, um, I feel like you know, an inter-school rivalry and getting that kind of thing, maybe it starts with uh, you know Mr. Ben Johns, who seems to be doing very well, um, you know, finding whatever, whatever university is... Uh, is most competitive Maryland. with uh, the University of Maryland. Um, is he Georgetown or Maryland? I get I get him mixed up a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think he's Maryland because I I grew up in Silver Spring, which is fifteen minutes from the campus. Oh, I see. So I okay. I think he is. Yeah. Well, I think he's uh, him. He, he and uh, a few other of the younger players are going to play a big role. Do you think the USAPA will approach um, some of the more uh, teen friendly kind of? players out there to, to get involved and to help um, perhaps go around to schools and universities um, and promote the game? We are. Um, you kind of gave me uh, goosebumps because one of the things that we did on the Olympic side, uh, no different than you know yourself with Selkirk, uh, but we had athlete ambassadors. And those athletes really helped support some of our community programming. So we took our athletes into schools, uh, we did other charitable causes. Um, we went into hospitals, um, and it, it's a great way to kind of share and inspire, you know, those audiences uh, and driving. And then the other thing we did with athletes. So I, I've been doing strategic partnerships for a long time, uh, and I'd love to do this on the pickleball side, and we will do this. But partnering with these athletes and helping them grow their social presence and personal brand at the same same time helps us with like really cool content because if you look at the fans of any sport you know the number one reason they come into it it's not just the sport and the competition but where they really engage is around those human interest stories and athletes i can tell you it's the number one reason in the olympics why people engage with it you know from your dieting to your training to your training partners to recovery i mean anything about that is uh is pretty engaging and inspires people to to get involved for sure i think every time the olympics comes on it's hard not to uh, really start googling this person and that person once you see nbc <laughs> with a, a tear-jerking special about um, 
you know, a, a tough time that a particular Olympian had growing up and now they've overcome adversity and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's almost cliched now, but it works and people get involved. People love to hear that, as you say, that human interest story, um, it really humanizes what otherwise might be seen as, you know, essentially a superhuman that none of us could ever hope to become. But, you know, when you hear about their upbringing and what made them who they are, um, it really kind of unites everybody. And I guess that's what the Olympics is all about, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, you know, when you, you look at it, the Olympic ideals are friendship, respect and excellence. And you look at the values of pickleball, it's the same thing and then some. Um, and, you know, the other thing is you realize everybody has a story. We all have stories. You have a story. Um, you know, we all do. And, and people connect through those stories and you find a lot of uh, assimilation. And especially, you know, also one of the things that we're going to be doing in 2020 and we trialed it at nationals was that wheelchair exhibition. Yeah. So if you think about people with disability, um, the Paralympics is people with physical disability, like your wounded veterans, um, people born with, you know, some sort of uh, disability. Mm. Um, but those stories are even more incredible. Um, and I just found that those individuals were, were you know, very uh, approachable and trying to lead and are leading, you know, regular lives like you and me. They have brothers, they have sisters, mom and dads, they have to eat, they have to brush the teeth, mm. you know. And, and I think people are like, huh, okay. So, you know, one of my good friends is an archer who has no arms. And you oh, say, wow. well, how is that possible? And uh, it, it's because his parents raised him in an unmodified world and just said, well, you'll figure it out. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. And, uh, and, and he did. He's one of the, you know, I always speak about Matt Stutzman. He's one of the most amazing people. Um, and so I think we have that same opportunity with pickleball, I mean, there is Paralympic and Special Olympic tennis. We, we have that same opportunity to expand um, to both able-bodied and, and those with a disability. I mean, could this be something where it actually winds up uh, being in the Paralympics before the Olympics, uh, given what you mentioned before, that it only requires, I think you said 12? Uh, yeah, 12 with uh, several international competitions, but absolutely that's where my head's at. Um, I mean, you have Paralympic tennis, yeah. right? And uh, I mean, the parallels are mm, scarily similar, right? You got the two bounces and, uh, so, you know, a net and a ball. And, you know, in this case, we have a paddle, but uh, absolutely. And you know, obviously, I, I'm connected with, with the leadership, the CEO on down uh, within the IPC. So uh, I do see that as an opportunity. Well, it's exciting to see where you're going to thrust the sport in that direction. Um, now, obviously, one of the main stories in recent years has been the Indian Wells Tennis Garden. What are, you, what are your thoughts about how the Nationals went and uh, where it's heading in the future? Oh, uh, well, I, I was, when I first came on board, I, I think I had seen some videos of our Nationals uh, in Arizona. Um, and so when we went through the process and they said, well, we're at, uh, Indian Wells and I'm like the tennis garden, <laughs> right. I'm like the one where BMP Paribas is. Um, so for me, uh, that's super exciting. Uh, it, you know, it really elevates the sport. Um, it is the premier event in my mind that, uh, but, but that also combines all of this 
grassroots and community. I mean, that's how this has grown um, into what I call an aspirational goal for many, you know, out there competing and, and uh, you know, to come out and have an incredible experience. It really um, is. What I really loved, right? I, I mean, what I really loved is, is, is the top players from across all the ages, um, the professionals, I mean, there were so many incredible matches, uh, and we know that the crowds were were the largest um, ever. And uh, I know the Indian Wells team were were very happy with that. Um, and then I'd say also, really, you know, last thing is is kind of building a foundation. If I think about the coverage, so those that weren't there, you know, do they have an opportunity to engage? Uh, and so this year for me was really building that strong foundation. And we had over a hundred hours of live streaming. I know you were on it. Uh, we had Mark and, and team doing a great job. I mean, I even did, you know, a cameo and we had a bunch of individuals doing that. Um, and this is going to continue to grow as we extend the reach. Um, and then part of that is getting the sponsors excited and uh, getting them to support it, making it all happen. And the sponsors all, you know, as I walked around, you know, it consistently, it was like this far surpassed our expectations, you know, and the comment was, I didn't realize pickleball was this big. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yeah. you know, it, it delivered value, uh, and all of the ones I talked to, which pretty much everybody said, we will definitely be back next year. So for me, it was great. And I will say the, the last thing is, um, when we got back, so I told you I was in this kind of Sunday drop in ladder program with my wife and a bunch of our friends. Um, I'm not sure I've ever played better pickleball than that session. And I think really? just watching how you played, and how your partner's playing and the pros playing in this top competition, it elevated my game just by watching for you know, nine straight days. Fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll all try and take a little bit of credit if you if your rating gets a bump up. <laughs> gets above a, a 2.5. <laughs> so now you mentioned sponsorship um, and how, you know, the Nationals is a huge opportunity to, um, to garnish more sponsorship throughout the entire sport. Is that is that desire one of the reasons why they uh, they weren't allowing live streaming from anywhere else? As in, they wanted it to be focused on one, you know, professional um, looking stream, as opposed to you know someone else um, possibly going onto Facebook and looking at Joe Bloggs's stream from the stand. Um, you know, there were people on both sides of the fence. There, obviously, pros and cons. Do you think that's something that will continue? Um, and, and should it? Yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, I know everybody maybe wasn't as happy um, that they couldn't do their own kind of live streaming. But, you know, I guess for me, coming from the Olympic side where NBC Sports is the official broadcaster, um, you know, obviously the IOC and the IPC are, are the officials. And what you're trying to do is deliver. I mean, there are a lot of promises out there in terms of value delivery to sponsors. Um, and, uh, one of the things that the Olympic side tackled was the whole guerrilla marketing. Um, now they have evolved that and guerrilla marketing is, you know, Nike's the official sponsor, for example, Under Armour would set up shop and, uh, really draw a lot of attention from that, their evolution. And maybe something, a model that we could look at, uh, is now they allow non-official sponsors, but you have to submit what you're kind of advertising and what you're going to to be and do ahead of time um, so that they can capture and work their way through that. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is about delivering, you know, at the end of the day, the sponsors are the ones that are really helping to support this as well as the attendees and as well as the players and, and participants um, elevating that experience. I, I do think there is probably some opportunity uh, and we'll, we'll need to work through that for others to help us with that. Um, you know, I think we were trying to deal with it on the ground, which is not always the best place, but you know, for me, the vision is like, how do we have coverage on all these courts? How do we actually do that? How can we, cause it's like this army of pickleball enthusiasts. How do we actually engage them and have them be part of that and help us in that? And, and that's the solution that I'd like to see us uh, work through so that, because we're all wanting pickleball to be the best, to continue being one of the fastest growing sports. And with that, that opens up the, uh, uh, really the access, um, you know, still you have this, uh, kind of shortage of courts in many communities. I know here, even in, in the West side of Chicago, if you go to some of these, uh, indoor clubs, you know, you go there and in a three hour session, you may, you may get an hour and a half of play time, even if you're playing great, just because there's so many people waiting because <laughs> there's only a couple of courts and you get 60, 75 people, you know, showing up. Yeah. So, so anyway, for me, the long way of saying it is it's the right thing, but I, I do think once again, with the partnership mentality, how do we actually have a solution that we all can work at this, you know, together for and sure. help raise the uh, level of the water for pickleball? Perhaps that it's, uh, it could be as simple and as difficult as, you know, rounding up the six or seven avid streamers. Um, a lot of them doing, are doing a great job. And, mm -hmm. you know, saying, listen, we need to put an appropriate camera in your hands. We're going to set it up for you and we're going to give you a professional microphone and we're going to give you a handful of guidelines. Um, it firstly needs to be streamed on the USAPA site, but can be shared on your own um, and yep. let them loose. I mean, these people are going to do it for free. They just want the exposure yeah. and they enjoy doing it. Um, and I've worked with a number of them and can attest to, you know, them being <laughs> somewhat trustworthy at least. Um, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's some characters out there. There always is going to be. I don't know if you've met Gizmo, but uh, the name says it all. Really, I, I have. I have. Well, we we did uh, a little like ten to fifteen minute update uh, at ten in the morning uh, West Coast time, and and live streamed on our site. And we had Gizmo on one of the days. And I will tell you, that's the one where we had the highest amount of traffic. Uh, so he definitely has an audience of followers out there. Good stuff, yeah. I think if the USAPA can tap into that um, and really use these people um, and their players and their and their streamers and their commentators and their you know they're they're what the game kind of needs right now um, to to reach a, a broader market. So uh, it's my hope that everybody can um, can work together and and drive towards a common goal. Yeah, that's my hope too. So let's Good get enough. it done. Okay, now just switching tack slightly. Um, the Racket and Paddle Sports Show in conjunction with the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando. Um, I believe the USAPA plans to, to get in on that. What's, what's, what's happening? What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, so pickleball is going to be a, a big part, uh, integral part of that show. Um, so we've been working with the organizers. And uh, from that, we know that pickleball is very high in demand from this audience of professionals, clubs, retailers. Uh, who want to better understand really the access, the programs, uh, and specifically the revenue opportunities. Um, you know, if you kind of look at some of the successful country club transformations, you know, everybody said, oh, country clubs are, you know, they're dying here in the U.S. 
Well, there, there's some that are actually thriving and they're thriving because they're offering more activities and events and programs which are driving traffic, you know, more frequent back like health clubs. Uh, and so we have many cases where pickleball fits right into that. You know, the, if, you, if you look at the, the avid players, I mean, they're not playing once or twice a week. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, four, five, six times and they're playing multiple hours. So, so pickleball will be an integral part. Uh, we will have a panel session of experts on the Wednesday. I think that's the 22nd. Uh, at 11 a.m., which should be uh, well attended. I know we're starting to advertise that, or the organizers are. Uh, and then secondly, there'll also be um, what they call the next court. Um, so basically, there'll be a court of activities that will be shared across um, the paddle sports and the racket sports, and that'll be on the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, and really what we're looking at with pickleball, you know, as we've kind of been talking on this program, uh, is give the audience a better a better chance and an opportunity to actually experience pickleball. You know, I think some are still, you know, what is it? I, I would think this group is probably somewhat familiar with it, um, but it's that difference maker. I mean, we, we know this, Morgan, right? You get somebody on the court, the programs you're probably running, um, you know, out at Shadow Mountain, it's getting people on the court game to experience it and then having that better understanding so that they can relate it back to, you know, whether it's their general managers or whomever to uh, to try yeah. to grow the programming at their club. Yeah, the hard part becomes getting them off the court, really. Yeah. <laughs> We've had that to put is in. true. That is <laughs> true. At uh, another place I work at that's run by Shadow Mountain uh, Palm Desert Resort Country Club, you know, they've now put in 20 courts. Um, they had 12 and realized they just couldn't keep up with demand, so they threw in another eight, and, and they might have to do it again in a few months' time. Um, it's it started to drive so much more business towards the resort uh, that you know I think the writing's on the wall um, and the tennis players are still looking over like ah, do we want to get in on that who wants to make the first move should we still be angry at them uh, <laughs> it's 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 quite funny really um, but <laughs> it is a place where both sports are trying to live and usually living harmoniously so um, I'm happy to be there excellent now the last thing and I'm very curious about this. Um, and I think you're well equipped to answer the name of the sport, pickleball. It, it, for me, it, it seems like kind of a double-edged sword. Um, it obviously, it shouts, this is a unique sport, a unique activity, which is great in a lot of ways. Um, however, there's, you know, X amount of people that will say, how can we really take it that seriously? How can we, um, really label this as a professional sport? Um, with a name like Pickleball. I'm in the middle somewhere, and on any given Tuesday, um, it's always a fun conversation at a coffee shop trying to explain why it's called Pickleball and so on and so forth. What are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I think, because when we get into 2020, we're, we're going to be doing um, a formal brand strategy, Right. And, and part of that is, you know, to better understand the audiences and better understand the positioning and the emotion. Now, my initial thought is, yes, you know, as much as it is kind of a funny name, I think in, in many regards, it does speak to the, the brand attributes and the values. You know, we always keep talking about fun and social. Um, and so from an aspect of of looking at that brand, I think it does support that. Um I think also as you go mainstream, people maybe focus less on, you know, the pickle side of it. 
and or we are able to kind of tell that that story if in fact you know it's pickles the dog is the official and final story we go with <laughs> um you know once again it's like you know we always talk about the, the stories and providing that and i think that type of uh education information um can can help drive it but you know as you go mainstream i you know i i do think it's part of the value system and has to be reflective of that uh, and, and when we do that, I, I think people will look beyond it. They'll look at you and, you know, the pros and like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is this is a real sport. This is an incredible sport. And, and these guys are, are super uber talented. Yeah, no, that's my hope as well. And that once it is uh, widely accepted in pop culture, um, that the name um the name is now looked upon as in a different light, um, and I think that'll happen. You're you're right. Um, it's a hard one, I think, in for people to to not be thinking um, short term on this. You know, I, I feel like in fifty years time, hundred years time, this conversation will will never arise again. It'll just be so accepted as yeah, it's it's a sport. It's like it's like anything else. At some point, I'm sure the word tennis felt a little bit foreign. Um, <laughs> yes. And then the 1700s rolled around, and and then it's like, yeah, it's just tennis. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, George, it is. Uh, it's been a delight, and it's. I'm happy to report to the audience uh, that it appears that um, pickleball is in good hands, and our new marketing and communications director is. Uh, He's obviously got broad shoulders. It's not um, outlandish to say that the fate of the entire sport is resting on your shoulders. I hope you can uh, hope you can handle that. <laughs> you got it, Morgan. <laughs> Good man. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, hopefully, one day we'll get you back on the show. That sounds great. I look forward to it, and I, I really appreciate you you having me on. Uh, it's been a, a great conversation today. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, George. We'll speak to you soon, and hopefully we'll see you on the court sometime. Sounds good. Cheers. All right. Cheers, mate. Take care.